Welcome to episode one, two, three of Tactical Crouch Kick Tripod with Volamel here. Yiska's gone for the week, uh, preparing for his sister's wedding. So he's going to be out of the shows this week. So we're bringing in the best and brightest here this week. The GM of the Florida Mayhem and resident Widowmaker specialist. It's yeah. Welcome back. Yeah. Hello. It's nice to be back. We're just going to, we're just going to go in hard on this right away. Just, I just, we just need to. You just, you just won't to. let that one die, huh? We just need to. Yeah, all the urgency. Mm. The, yes. What is not even my best hero right now? It's not even close. <laughs> because you don't check your angles, right? That's mm, why. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's he's, he's just rusty. He's been practicing other things. So it's like, yeah. The thing I appreciated the most is when you were like looking straight ahead as you were walking out of spawn. And so it's like mm. you're looking at a wall for, for a few minutes or whatever. And he's See, just like... I, w- I was gonna explain the action like I was thinking like do I do th- do I treat this like seriously or do I just like make fun of it? And I was like <laughs> I feel like it's way more entertaining just make fun of it because I could give you a serious explanation, but like nobody really cares, you know. It's less, it's just you know Kefri accusing someone else, so it's something new, right? Like it's not it's not anything like super serious, but I mean if you saw where my team was in that particular clip. Why in the world would I be thinking a widow would be above my team on the left high ground when every single widow plays on the right side? That's why I clear the right side. I was like, okay, and then I'm looking main because that's where my, that's where the team fight is. Big brain. But yeah, that's the serious answer. But like, you know, <laughs> I like nobody, the nobody other really one. Cared. I nobody like how really everyone just piled on on it. it yeah. So I, I'm 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 happy with I'm happy with the you know with the memes. Yeah. Basically, you just play like a bot is what is what yeah. Uh, is what I think is the big takeaway here. Well, yeah, welcome back. Um, good to have you. I can't remember. We had you pre, pre-May pre Madness, right? Yes. Yeah, so pre-May Madness. It and was pre, uh, pre-summer slump for us. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, we did have you again then. Yeah. So... Uh, well, welcome back. Good to see you. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to do our housekeeping things really quick, and then we'll jump in. We've got a ton of questions to talk about today. Chat, quit, spam- <laughs> quit spamming that copy past. He just talked <laughs> about it. He just talked about it, chat. Settle down. All right. Uh, big thank you to our patron producers, Battlecrab Pin Lotion, Charlie L. Audio, Compass, Workshop, Sammy, Kasha67, Kuchikopi, Sharp, Picasso, Nathan, Your Misery, Hunter Tain, Refined Bean, Rex Zane, Roger B, Fable Steven, Owen, Chris, R34444, Yiska's holding me hostage, please send help, I'm under Yiska's desk, please send help, Yiska says, Fritcher, 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 Fish, will the real Chengdu Bob please stand up? Uh, thank you so much for supporting the show, if you like the show, go to patreon.com slash tactical crowd, or leave a sub right here at twitch.tv slash kick tripod, we record Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays at noon Pacific. Come say hi. All right. Here we go. Let's talk about the news. And uh, this is kind of a big one. This broke just uh, about an hour, hour and a half before the show started. Mm-hmm. And that was that the Dallas Fuel have um, allowed Decay to, what's the right term? Allowed him to, to release. Walk. Yeah, basically to walk to, he's yeah. released from his contract early. And uh, 
Joe, I'll let you frame frame up this discussion because I know I know you've got a lot of thoughts and questions it's, about it. It's tough because, and I think the Twitter sphere is rightly kind of drawing an eyebrow to how quickly this kind of came out after the closing of the signing window, which was the end of last month, if I remember correctly. Um, a few days ago, yeah. Okay. Um, so it's it's a little coincidental let's say that he's let go after the signing window nobody else has the chance to sign him Castro's being very pointed with uh, his explanation um it's tough to even start to speculate because then it, it doesn't feel right at least in this scenario because it is kind it, it there's it's very clear that we don't have like the full scope of the story um, we have one side of it. Things seem to check out with the rumor mill, but what else is there? If anything, I don't know. Um, it is, it is kind of a precedent to see this being, or to see Hastro kind of come out and really explain, uh, their side of the story and, and be, you know, pointed and, and kind of saying like, Hey, okay. Like would not cooperate. We, we thought it was in our best interest and his as well to, you know, part ways. So then it's like, okay, at least for me, kind of got my head twist or just kind of thinking. And I'm like, well, we have a GM on the show. So let's, let's ask the GM, like, okay, if, if this was to hypothetically happen, what's like, what do you do? What's, is this, is this something that like you're kind of aligned with where it's like trying to be fully transparent or, do you just kind of like keep it not behind closed doors? It seems kind of shady, but like just leave it as is. I mean, you want me to game this or game theory this? So, I mean, that's easy. Sure. Like, at first, when the first news came out, it's like, first of all, let's assume this was inevitable or like, okay, so there's two scenarios. Like, one, or I'm, there's more than two scenarios, but like, first scenario is like, the assumption is he's wanted to be released for a long time. He has been practicing, whatever. And he's been asking to finally granted his request but after the signing window, right? Like, I feel like every fan is like, that's has to be how it happened. So, I mean, that's plausible. Um, and as management, if you were to, re if you had to release a star player um, and there was no other like recourse, like you couldn't get him back. Like they just, the relationship is so broken. Sure. Then yeah. Like the correct decision from like a competitive standpoint is to not let another team get the chance to use, you know, that player against you. Um, especially with playoffs coming off, right? Sure. So sure, from a management, like from strictly like a performance standpoint, definitely, you know, logic dictates you release the player after the signing window, right? Mm. Um, that's, you know, that's one, that's one version. That's one possibility. The other possibility, like I think Hastra said, like, oh, we basically granted his request, like the moment he, um, or not, not the moment, but like shortly after he requested it. I think that's plausible as well because I think a lot of players don't really like it's it's my job and it's other GMs' jobs to know when the signing window is. But a lot of players like they have no, I they don't like that's not something they need to pay attention to normally. Sure. Um. So I think it's entirely possible Decay just got fed up, but didn't realize that like maybe if, had he gotten fed up earlier and you know actually tried to get released, he could have gone to another team. Um. Maybe. Uh, but, and then from, and then there's like my perspective, right? It's like, look at how many players we kept last year. Like I had a lot of tough conversations last year. We were the worst team in the league. And I, I managed to keep 
you know all the players right like sure. i didn't have to i didn't have to release anyone so that's my perspective my perspective is like i don't know i have no idea what ha- like decay might be a special like one-off case or a special case where you know it was just it was a unique case it's you couldn't repair the relationship for whatever reason it was broken i don't know the reasons why it was broken um but from my perspective it seems like i i find it hard to believe that like it's not there has to be some fault on the management side or the way staff has handled the situation for to get to the point where they're releasing a star player that they traded like yeah. OG for, right? Like they traded a huge piece of their team last year for you know in, in exchange. Um, so yeah, th- those are those are kind of like the top three like thoughts flowing through my head when I like saw the saw the tweet, saw the release. Yeah, I to your point, like I think it is definitely on the Dallas field management, at least part of it, right? I don't know that anybody in situations like this like completely shoulders the blame. I think both parties probably didn't play very nice. Um, just, again, completely speculative. Um, I, I don't think it's right to say that it's just all Dallas. I don't think it's right to say, oh, Decay should have played. Like, that's what your contract says. Like, yeah. Again, this is one of those things that just falls in the middle. We probably won't ever get to know, and it's yeah. probably never our right, or it's not our right to really know exactly the the ins and outs of it. It could be incredibly highly personal. Um, but it is strange that this team has a tendency or has a history of just having irreconcilable differences with star players. Could just be coincidental. It's just a weird trend. Yeah, one more thought. I mean... It seems weird that they would release him instead of trading him, right? Sure. At least to me. Like, because I think Decay has a lot of value on the market. Oh, certainly. And it just seems so. Maybe Decay, I don't, I don't know Decay person. I don't know anything about Decay, but maybe this is like, maybe I don't even want to play Overwatch. You know, like maybe I don't want to even be on another team, right? I think, yeah. I, I think because there's usually players ask to get out of team, players usually ask like one of two things. Either, I kind of want to retire or like let me out of the contract. I hate being here. Um, but usually players that ask that like to leave, it's mm. just because they have no other options, right? Like they don't have other teams that are, w- would be interested. I don't know if they explored like trading decay. Um, I'm sure I would have like, had I been in that position, um, like just, Hey, like what, you know, he's not happy here. Um, we're not happy with him. He's not showing up to practice. Like let's trade him, you know, let's trade him to someone else in exchange for some, some a piece or you know a lot of cash something that can help our you know either financially or help us um you know in a a playoff run scenario so that's what i would have looked at so like i highly doubt they didn't look at that um unless there was like good reason not to as in like Mm. decay maybe maybe he just doesn't want to play the game anymore i don't know but uh that's something that we won't really know until kind of the off season plays out i guess and just sees if he even comes back to overwatch as the the news develops as the story continues to unfold it will probably get a little again this this is not something that's just going to be surface level this is going to be a a nice little rabbit hole for for us as we lead into playoffs it's sad it's sad to see that you know dallas and and this kind of a fun roster that had a lot of potential again i i highly rated this dps line coming in it was kind of hard not to um Granted, I wasn't too big on some of the other pieces, but when you have Doha, who had a great weekend, which we'll get into, and you have somebody like Decay, who has a ton, a ton of potential, which I think we really only got to see a little bit of this season, yeah. it, it's hard not to get excited. So it's it's sad to see 
Um, but hopefully, hopefully, again, hopefully he he stays in and we get to see him in 2021. But I, I will say, as an org, I think Fuel has generally like been viewed like pretty favorably in terms of taking care of players, like paying them like mm-hmm. decent salary. Um, and the house, like I feel like their apartments are always nice. Uh, like sure. their house, like it it seems like they they do like, and they have a lot. Like I don't know, they clearly have they have a lot of players on that roster yeah. that. Um, I don't arguably, I probably, you know, maybe might have released before they released Decay, um, but hey. Sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Sometimes things happen. So it's, 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 a- it's sad. I don't know. It's disappointing. I'm, I'm sad to see such a good player potentially just leave entirely again, like not being able to play for yeah. the last bit of the season. I think. Uh, <laughs> I think if it saying? does, I think if it does come out that like he, if, if he's not back in the league next year, I think that casts like a different light. Like I think that's just like this guy was tired of the game. Sure, um, of course. And then I don't think you can really attribute too much fault to like how are you going to get as an organization yeah. like a stat if a player just loses all motivation, like you just let them go, right? I think also, that's what you've seen throughout the season when people switch to the iron or you know go somewhere mm-hmm. else. I can't imagine how much more difficult that conversation would be too, is even when they're not playing the game, they're still like considered the X factor to like what make takes you from win to loss. So how do you, how do you motivate someone on like a a team that's losing or underperforming, especially when you're not there and then, uh, you know, trying to get them to, to want to play the game. So I, man, can't, can't have been an easy conversation and like, I don't know. It's it's it sucks because I think that uh, to to your point, Albert, like Dallas has largely been um, viewed favorably, especially in like how they take care of their players. They had some early stuff early on in season one. I think um, like that's like the Kai Kai days and stuff like that. And I think a yeah. lot of organizations had a ton of growing pains there. And so to, sure. to like to single out the Dallas fuel um, is probably a little bit unfair in that. And, and, but especially after they were called out on it, you know, Hastro and crew made some really great changes and it still kind of brings us to the point though, is that this is a team that has um, kind of, I think failed to meet any sort of expectation, right? They signed envious uh, arguably the best, Definitely the best Western roster that we saw in Overwatch, uh, pre-Overwatch League. Mm-hmm, um, sure. How many of them are... Who's left now from the original Envious roster? Envious? Is there, is there uh, anybody? Harry Hook. Harry Hook. Harry, Harry Hook. Hook. Harry. Um, yeah. Oh, that's man. About it. I, wasn't, I, that's, I actually wasn't ready for that gut punch today. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't ready for I, that. I do think hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But I think looking back, mm-hmm. Envious had always been a team that just got away with not having the meta piece. They're just like, oh, let's just play like two hit scans, sure. or like let's just play like play Reaper, Taimu, Junkrat. You know, yeah. like let's just get a. And as long as Taimu was just like a top widow, I feel like they got away with a lot of things. They they just got away with murder. They just got away with like just playing whatever they wanted, right? And I think that was kind of the theme for a while. Like you look at Selfless. Like I I don't think. I mean, you obviously can't because it's two, two, two. But like, I think there's a reason you didn't really see any sort of like selfless style team season one because like that just doesn't work when you're against like the best competition, like right. the best player, totally, as opposed to stomping like 
a region or like you know stopping NA. Um, not to say they didn't win in Korea, like they definitely did, and I think that kind of like carried over um, eventually to the hit. Like they finally reached like their ceiling. It was like okay, this no longer works at that mm-hmm. at this level. Like we can no longer get away with not having like a a sick projectile DPS or a sick flex DPS. Um, yeah, no, so, that's yeah. a good thought. That's a good thought. It's just it's kind of a bummer to see, and I think um, oh, you know totally. I, I think yeah I I I think that. Um, Dallas might want to look at trying to take a page out of the Florida mayhem book, honestly, as far as like, how do you rebuild a team that, you know, this is a team that signed uh, or an organization that signed a signed the envious roster to pretty long contracts and pretty generous contracts as well. Yeah. They underperform. They're at a point now where, um, tickets he's gone today to, we don't know any information about, uh, why or how, um, all that they've said is that they're going to post later this week. They're putting together their thoughts and that they want to come back to Overwatch League. Um, but there's this, uh, like, there's this, there's an obvious need right now that Dallas is like, they haven't been able to fire on all on on all cylinders. And Florida just a year ago was was dealing with an issue like this where you weren't able to get these wins together. You had some really promising pieces to the puzzle and you um, were able to turn it around. And here you are now in uh, the end of the season or nearing the end of the season. And I mean, I'd have to double check the standings here, but you guys are six in the league Definitely up there with including bonus wins. I've got six in the league for you. So, I mean, that's yeah. really amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's still, Still hasn't set in yet. Maybe you know, in a year, I'll be like looking over my shoulder and like not, or like not be looking over my shoulder. I feel like now I'm just like, like, are, when are we gonna, when, when are we gonna yeah, do yeah. that again? Like, when is it gonna happen? You know, when's the other shoe gonna drop? But um, so so far, you know, I've been really happy with our team. Um, I think I think part of it is luck. Like, I I definitely don't want to say like I'm just a giga brain and like everything worked out perfectly. Like I'm some sort of genius. Um, I think definitely luck is involved. Definitely, um luck in terms of like did anyone see kooky being like a potential coach of the year um i certainly didn't when i signed him like i didn't mm. and i couldn't because i've never seen kooky coach um i've like i'm not korean i've never i've never been in a position where i'd like even hear even if i had a vod where he was coaching i wouldn't be able to understand what was going on right um so and i and i, I did all, like a ton of interviews when i was in korea and i was like okay I need these players. I need these runaway players. Kuki seems like a good coach. Um, how much of those runaway wins can you attribute to Kuki when they were just dominating before he even coached them right? Mm. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I definitely luck is involved um, for sure. I think anyone that tells you otherwise is is you know too far up their own ass. Uh, but. I mean, yeah, I got, I think that's fair, but there's some eye to this. Right, like you knew where to go. You kind of again, like I, I wouldn't completely discredit you, and and it'd be kind of interesting. Again, theoretically speaking, yeah. I mean, I I think it depends on where they want to go. It seems right now Dallas wants to do a mixed roster. Yeah. Um, and like I've built a mixed roster before. Um, they're a little finicky, or not. I don't want to say fin- finicky is the wrong word. You need the right personnel. Sure. To, you need to you need to have like, because 
Korean culture and like Western culture are very different. Um, mm-hmm. And you need to find the right mix of players that are willing to like give and take on their side. Um, like Korean just want to grind super hard. And they like, if they don't see you working, it's, you know, they, it, it like, it rubs them the wrong way. Whereas sure. I think if Western players, like you're working too hard, you're like, that's not efficient. Right. So it's like for West, players, it's like more is not always better. Whereas for Koreans, like if you're not doing at least this much, like, you know, why, you know, you're not putting, you're not putting in enough effort. Um, so I think finding the right mix of talent um, to gel together is always hard because uh, you don't know how that's going to work out. And then plus like getting the staff as well. Um, so sure. it's, it's really, it's, it's not easy putting together a cohesive mixed roster. Like what, pa- like what Paris has done is not easy at all. Yeah. That's feels like a, a flash in the pan. Again, yeah. credit to them. I think a lot of people had, had a lot of uh, skeptical eyes around that roster and if it was going to work and how long it would work if it did. And they've, they've, they've built and something I, crazy. And I think they've turned like, not that they weren't grinders before, but like sure. I see Nico, I see like Nico's grinding like nonstop on the lap. Mm. Like he's like, like never before, I don't think. So um, I think they're, once you get buy in from everyone on a mixed roster, like then, you know, sky's the limit, right? Like you look at Shock, you look at um, sure. Fusion, right? That's some of the most successful teams in the league right now, uh, in, in NA at least, aren't, um, aren't full Korean. So it's definitely possible. It's definitely doable. Um, hmm. We need to get the right mix. You need to get the right mix. Is there is there kind of a and again maybe I'm I'm looking too far into this or, or not giving this enough thought but do you think Dallas for 2021 needs a, like a healthy dose of buy-in to kind of get everybody motivated who's left over in the postseason kind of rebuild because again Ticketee's now gone what else happens with this roster there again there's a lot of there's a lot of people on this roster that are are in, not interesting but what's what's the nicest way to put this um probably will not be there by the end of the season right like i think it'll be surprising right if they if they last so like where where's like the the trait on the rpg stat list where you go okay this is what this roster this is this is what dr albert says you know this is their diagnosis always with the rpg uh come on come on now i mean first you gotta figure out like i don't know i don't know how true i don't know the envy org like what they're goals are or Dallas rather what their goals sure. are like are their goals to be like the best team is their goal to be the best like mix like do, you know what what are they looking for a team because like there's definitely business decisions when it comes to making rosters like hey we you know we need to be more marketable or we need we have sponsors that you know we need na talent or we want western talent uh, we don't want to go full korean mm. uh, so like once you have those parameters in place then you can begin to think about like what type of team you can field and then you start looking at like, okay, if you're going to be a mixed team, let's get these, like what coaches, you know, like what assistant coaches out there, like, um, like assistant coaches out there, you look at, you know, does anyone want them to take a shot at head coach? Like, do you need, who's making the roster decisions, right? Yeah. Like who, like, is it Era right now? Is it Hastro? Is it Tasmo? I don't know personally. Um, mm. cause I don't work with Envy. Um, sure. but Hastro recently stepped into or stepped down um into like this chief gaming officer role which you know does that mean he's back you know super hands-on with field decisions um or is that still you know someone else's purview someone else's mm. day job right i don't i don't know the answers to those questions um so i i need to know like way more on like how everything's structured for me it was like how we did it over here was i was like okay i'm the gym like i need 
I, we don't have a head coach. Like, we need a new head coach. We need a new, like, I need to rent the coaching roster. Um, so it was basically all on me. Um, and it's like, John, John, who's like my direct boss, is the president of, of Mayhem. Like, he has kind of like, he just gave me autonomy. Like, hey, you know, you know more about Overwatch. Um, you know, you build this team. Come to me. Like, we trust that, you know, you can, you can do a good job and, and figure it out. And then I went to Ben for kind of like budget approval. Right. Mm-hmm. But that was the process on our end. Um, so it's very, very streamlined, very like a lot of it just rested on my shoulders. And I was like, yeah, like totally get it. like, you know, obviously it's my it's my head on the line if, you know, things don't work out as it should be. Um, but if my head's going to be on the line, like I need to have full control. Right. Yeah. Um, I need to have agency. Um, so, I, you know, without knowing what the social like the power dynamics are on, yeah. on yeah, I can't really give you a That's good right. answer. Um, cause there's a lot, like there's three pe- there's three people that potentially have varying levels of authority over like what players they pick up, um, mm. you know, on the budget and, and, and everything. So, yeah. That's fair. Again, totally fair. It's, it's tough to, to be able to do anything with this cause A, it's still developing and, it, and B, it's, it's so one-sided right now. We don't really know what else is happening. Is, is he, like we said kind of just leaving overwatch is it just coincidental there's a lot of question marks a lot of what ifs so it's i really you can't not talk about it but i really hope envious has built up like an amazing content structure for you know they've got the studio they've got jane and avast in there sure i really hope that they take this opportunity and like create some really great content around it and um like it, it's weird it's weird to bring content to your fail like, i don't want to say failures but um perceived failure i don't know you know what i'm trying to say right it's it's, but it would be there's um if you look at the the community um today this morning uh you have speculation run amok right and you have a few kind of canned tweet responses i think hastro used this tweet uh lots of fuel added to the fire today pun intended we will um make some major changes and get back into the fray. Thanks for all who have patience working hard, expect a lot of news for the team and sweeping changes. Isn't that almost what we got last, last year? Isn't that like, I mean, that sounds like it has to be either dropping a bunch of players or they're adding staff. Cause like there's, they can't add any players anymore. Yeah, no. Um, Unless they sign, unless they've signed a bunch like under the radar. Right. That just haven't been announced yet. That's possible, right? Um, but mm. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. Um, but the they've got this content house. I would like to see them come out, address the situation, like get Hastro up in front. Like even if you've got you know Jane and Vast who are on the payroll anyways. So like obviously you're you're gonna try to paint this into the light. But like I kind of am sick to my stomach thinking about the next four days of just rampant speculation on Reddit yeah. and everywhere else. And like, even we're doing it here right now where we're kind of like speculating, like here's where it's stuff. And I think like Albert, you've done a great job of just like, yeah. well, you we don't know I'm a GM and even I don't know like what else can any of these other people know. They can obviously speculate, draw two and two together, say stupid things like, uh, you got to be stupid to not see that Dallas has a culture problem because they lost this player, this player, this player. And you start to like create this, like just annoying churn and echo chamber that I'm just kind of like, so like Dallas make some content on this, please. Or have someone come on the show and talk about it. I don't care. Uh, but like, you know, just, Let's let's talk about it a little bit. Let's get these kind of decisions out in the open a little bit more and give I, people I also some think, transparency. 
I also think one aspect of this is that like this seems like deja vu because it's happened before, right? Or um, and, and at least from the fan perspective, right? Like season one, you had effect, and then there's Rascal, and now it's Decay, right? It's like the third time, like a very talented DPS player has you know mental boomed or like irreconcilable differences um, with the org or the staff. Mm. Um, so I think for th- that's like the angle I think a lot of fans and like are taking, like oh, this must just be like this is now like you know a dallas field trend right um so i think that's i think that's like if i were to like approach this from like a pr standpoint or like hey how do we manage like the public reaction like that's yeah. where i would start like how is this different than like what happened to the rest of the show? what happened with the effects i don't think those i don't think those were even ever explored right like i don't think they've ever i'd like discuss public like hey this is why i didn't work out with rascal because like clearly rascal is a champion now right like yeah. it wasn't the talent um and with decay it doesn't seem to be talent either and then with effect you know i, I didn't seem to be a talent like they won so much with effect sure um, so i think that's where it would start maybe some i don't know some trans some a little bit of transparency or just like an explanation on you know that this isn't this is this is a unique situation or something. Um, mm. this, these are the reasons why you know the, it broke down. I don't know. They don't. I mean, they don't really owe anyone yeah. any explanation. Um, but I think if they were concerned about like the public, how the public is taking it, that's where I would start. Yep. Definitely. Well, Dallas, yeah. best of luck for uh, to you. I hope we hear more about what you're doing. Um, I think there was a lot of us who had high expectations for Dallas. Uh, admittedly, Decay was a huge part of that. Mm. but um you know we'll we'll, we'll just, get to we'll get to some dallas hope I, I got a little hope i i agree with the german curmudgeon that isn't here today that maybe there's a little bit of a take delay maybe maybe he was right we'll see i don't know i'll pick albert's brain on that later fair enough well let's let's go in and let's talk a little bit about um i don't know let's 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 actually uh let's talk about last week's matches a little bit shall we and sure. uh some of the meta stuff going on and everything else and uh, we'll just take it right from the top. Uh, Joe, I think this one's yours. Junkrat, eh? Really gonna, yeah. You're really going to bring us down to Junkrat topics hey, on this one, eh? We got, we got, we got some, new, some new rat play, and I need to hear exactly right. why. I have my ideas. I think it's probably pretty, pretty decent into a lot of the brawl comps that are being playing out in control. But... We're also seeing it off of control, so I'm interested to see what uh, Albert has to say on this. Where where do you sit on Junkrat? Uh there's been a lot of there's there's there has been like that's that's the right take. There's been there's been a large, quite sizable increase in Junkrat play, especially on the Koth maps. Yeah. Um, and I, and I definitely expect that to continue. Um, but like the eventual outcome of that continue is probably you're going to start seeing like Farah. Because um, that was naturally like pharmacy comps were the natural like counter to super bunker like sim junker at strats on um, like points like Nepal Village, um, where it's just like a tiny box, right? It's just like tiny Overwatch, and then yeah. um, the, I, you can't really play Farah on like Control Center Lijiang, which is the other like super popular junker at uh, map in the past. Mm. Um, so I think it's just it's a natural like evolution of okay. We have bat. We have this lamp that's now being placed in positions that are like out of LOS of like a hit scan. Um, and you want just like more, there's so much healing that you want like junk rat output so much damage. And it's like, you want 
like pick opportunities and you're running like death ball stuff. Um, so I think it makes a lot. It makes a lot of sense. Um, sure. I think. Uh, but then it'll get to the point where then teams, you know, once you lose enough times in like the Junkrat mirror, um, then you'll start looking at like other, other, th- other solutions to the problem, uh, which I think, you know, you, back to like Farah being played on, uh, or used to be being played on uh, Nepal Village. Mm. Yeah, that, that one's definitely, I, I, again, another point that we'll get to with, with Houston a little bit. Interested to see. Because that is kind of playing out specifically in that match versus Valiant. I believe Valiant kind of came out first fight with that pretty quickly. And it was kind of interesting to see how Houston approached that. But it's just map geometry. Because I think yeah. a lot of the maps it's being played, it's just close quarters combat. Pretty much the entire map. There's not really any long sight lines. Um, so yeah, there's multiple corners. What's What's, you know, the best thing to hold corners like spam right you just throw a bunch of like spam at at, around a corner around los and it's a lot better than you know dive or yeah totally it's it's kind of interesting because we've seen it both ways with the junkrat where we have seen it kind of being played into these brawl compositions we have seen it being played into winston's aria i hesitate calling it dive because it doesn't necessarily always have to be played like dive it looks like your team obviously one that I've been interested to to kind of see. Very, very short and stubby jumps from Fate. Um, again, it's not dive, but we always want to attribute it as like, oh, well, Winston, he, you know, leaps great distances and the tracer meets him and they get the kills happening. But it's not always the case. It's just different because the heroes are different. Like Lucy is not really being played. Um, and yeah, Tracer's not always being played. So it's not it's not traditional dive. Um, but when people see Winston, they they, they automatically like the first word they think of is dive. So, oh, certainly. So it, it, I'm, I'm glad to see that the idea with like this, this general like Junkrat kind of Winston's are. It's nice to see that like a meta has kind of stabilized throughout this patch without mm-hmm. hero pools, and it's kind of fun to see just a general trend of of shakeup that isn't just directly attributed to hero pools. That it feels a little bit more natural. Certain teams are finding success with it. Certain teams. Not so much. They're finding their own kind of path to success. It, it's it's kind of nice. It's it's fun to see your team also one that has you know their own little flair with the double flex support on certain maps that is interesting. Brigless, um, but yeah, it, it's just kind of a general like. How do you feel? Is that something you kind of sympathize with? Does it feel kind of fresh? Does it feel uh, not genuine but uh, grassroots? It's it's kind of just happening on its own. You're talking about the the comps that are being formed. Yeah, just yeah, stuff I mean, that isn't specifically just one generic hard and fast meta. It's kind of evolving a little bit. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, I think this is exactly what I predicted when I I like suggested the two week because I was like, I don't think teams figure out. I, I'm not thinking like I know teams don't figure out comps in one week, and it's very obvious. Every time you saw like the week, they're playing so, like such a wide variety of things that it's like the, it, there can't be like. Uh, nobody's figured out what's really good and what's bad, right? Um, so I think this week is no different. This is the first week of no hero pools um, heading into the Countdown Cup, and we saw a lot of different comps. Um, some were more like APAC inspired, so like the Winston Zarya is something that APAC's really been doing. Um, we saw some ball, so we're seeing a lot of different looks, and I think that's precisely you know as expected. Uh, it's, it's only been a week, 
teams need to teams need more than one week to figure out what's the best um, or what works the best, and then kind of your plans don't really survive first contact, right? So like now that's in a match environment, like okay, it, maybe it worked in scrims, but it doesn't work in matches. Why? Like mm. oh, because other comp is better because we played it wrong. Um, is there a better comp you can run? Is there a comp that uh, like another team ran that looks really good? Um, so yeah, I think that's that's kind of the case, right? And I think when you look at our main melee run, we identified like for us, we play around like at the time we played around like break armor tracer the best. So it's like that's why we were like the I think at during the main melee, I think most other teams were running double flex. Um, I know Atlanta was running double flex against us, and I don't I I think Moth was running Zen at the time. Um, so they're running seems to check Zen, out. I'm pretty sure they're running Zen back when we played the shock. Mm. Um, so yeah, and I think now it's like, you know, for us, we've, it's, it's not new. Zendap's not new. Sure. Um, by any means, but like, it seems like everyone moved on or not moved on, but like has adopted Brig. And then for us, we're like, okay, like let's try this Zendap thing, um, you know, and, and see if it works out for us. So I think that's, it's just, and just, it's, it's something that I completely expected. Um, we're still figuring teams in the league are still figuring out what's, what's the best comp for them. Yeah, and it's it's nice to see, and I'm glad that we we do get to see it because it's always fun to like see everybody's own little take. It isn't just, you know, I I I agree with the community sentiment that they're very kind of scared and polarized about you know what goats was and how hard and fast I was, but Rolock can do a lot of different things. We don't I don't think we really gave it enough time to breathe, and I think we're starting to see the kind of fruits of the labor of of hero pools of the Rolock, and and we get these. These fun little interesting looks. Florida is running a very, you know, similar composition to teams like Atlanta, teams like, you know, just your generic kind of meta composition, but they have their own flair. Houston has their own flair. Dallas, in a way, has their own flair. It's 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 nice to see. It's a fun time to be in Overwatch. It's a fun time to kind of just consume that. Um, but in that same sense with the meta, one topic that kind of has rotated around is this idea of having a star Genji right now. Do you think, or where do you kind of weigh in on the topic of having like a very mechanically proficient Genji player? Obviously, you guys have Kuki or Yaki, not Kuki. So he was a tank player. Yeah. Haven't slept yet. Forgive me. Um, but but where do you kind of fall on that? Is is Genji super kind of stupidly important? Where you need somebody to kind of be that carry player to kind of make those those this, those decisions that only a Genji player would know? I think you need to have someone that can play Genji. Do you, mm. does they need to be a star Genji? No. I mean, just look at Chuck. Right? They don't have a Genji player, um, and they they still win all their matches. Uh, so I think it, it depends on it depends on your team and what your team, um, the talent level on your team. Like if you're like Shock and you're stacked with the other five positions, you just slot in, you know, a, a person that can play Genji. They're playing Genji, but it's like they're not necessarily carrying the team. Um, he's not pulling off like Sparkle level performances. Sure. Um, unless it's against Boston, right? But uh, <laughs> um, against like your average, like an average mid table team. Yeah. Um, he's not pulling off those performances. Like you look at Houston, like Houston kind of shut him down, um, but they weren't able to shut down the rest of the team. So it's like they don't really need the carry Genji. They need a Genji because it's like better than any other hero. Um, but yeah, I think you just need someone that can play Genji. Um, and there's ways, there's ways of winning games without just your Genji doing everything for you. Sure. Um, and I think you see that right, like. Uh, for example, now Philly's back to Genji because um, Genji's just such a good hero, and uh, Ivy's really good at Genji. 
Um, but prior to that, they were just okay. Let's just run double hit scan. Let's just make Sombra. Mm-hmm. Let's make Sombra Tracer work. Sombra, um, Ash, Sombra Widow, right? Um, so there's different. There's definitely multiple ways to win. Um, it's just Genji's meta because it's much harder to win the other ways. Um, unless you have like a very very good team. For sure. And it kind of transitions nicely into kind of the first match I wanted to kind of really pick your brain on was was the Houston Valiant match. And we did kind of see this this different look. We did see both teams run very standard meta compositions, but we saw Houston kind of break out the Sombra to like a pretty resounding success. I think there are other reasons why Houston didn't necessarily clutch out the win at the very end. But yeah. Do you think that uh, this team is positioned to do very well in this kind of like off meta look with the Sombra? They seem again to kind of fit the bill everywhere else where they can play the double shield pretty okay. We'll we'll get to, you know, your thoughts on on the Winston play with Houston. But generally speaking, do you think that they could pilot Sombra to like a high degree and maybe edge out some Genji compositions? Mm, I I don't really think so. Okay. Uh, because I think Dante's all, the issue is Dante's also their best Genji player, right? And he's also their best Somber player. So, and I think if they had a really good Genji player, sure, maybe they can make Somber because Dante's a really good Somber. Um, mm. but not that Linkser's Genji's bad. It's just I think Dante's better, and it, I'd rather have the best Genji on the field as opposed to like like a you know Somber and like the second best Genji. Mm. So, yeah, I, I just think. I think Houston's just the ultimate like wildcard team. You don't really know what you're going to get out of them. Um, they can play up to the competition. Um, or it seems like they always have the ability to play up to the competition. Sure. I'm just not sure if that'll happen in the match. Um, yeah, I just, I just view Houston as like a very wildcard team. Um, hmm. they, have, they, have the, they always have the upset potential. Um, but the question is, like, I, I think they, go in a, they basically go in every match as an underdog, but always with the chance to upset. That's how I've, that's kind of how I view Houston in my head. Yeah, I think I think that kind of checks out for me. Not not specifically, but kind of finding their own their own style along the way. Did see a little bit more junk right out of them on King's Row. Looked solid. Kind of uh, caught the valiant and looked like off guard. Um, couple strange swaps. I don't know if you have too many thoughts on the the Widow Diva Sigma or the Widow Diva uh, Orisa composition they kind of used to try and beat. This this weird junkrat stall on point A and point B, is it does it kind of check out? Do you feel like Diva is the right fit on on some of these bunker comps, or do you feel like a more more of a comp switch needs to happen? Diva's just a garbage pick on KR. Okay, it's just just terrible. It, it's I I don't think you should be playing Diva over Sigma mm. ever. Okay, uh, and especially not in Kings Kings Row, which is such a linear map. Mm. Uh, like the whole map just a, like a long tunnel, right? Just a long yeah. hallway, essentially. And I I don't think Diva gets much value there, especially when the other team's playing like heroes that have so much damage output, like Genji, Ash, and it's just it's just a bad time for Diva. Um, Sigma offers the same, plus like better team fight, plus it's the better ult. Um, mm. and has a stun. Like it, you you just shouldn't. I I think. Had Valiant just played Sigma on King's Row over Diva, I think that they would have easily won that. Um, I think the, I think the most tragic aspect of Valiant's performance was that uh, C9 under Brolter, um, yeah. where Rain was nanoed and he just goes off, goes hunting off the cart, um, and they C9. Like all he had to do was stay on the cart and keep swinging, um, and yep. they, they would have won that 
that point. Now, maybe maybe they would have gotten held on the on third, um, but uh, you know they they shouldn't. Have, the the game the match. Sorry, not the match. The match shouldn't have ended on, yeah. on the hanger for for Valiant. I you bring up Gibraltar, and I know you you mentioned Diva. Different map, different composition set for that map, but does Diva kind of come into favor a little bit more on that map, especially on point A? I know that historically you've always wanted to kind of juggle the cart, especially yeah. it goes under car wash. Is that something you still think can work? Yeah, definitely. Definitely dive works on Gibraltar because the okay. verticality, there's so much when you have more vertical, um, uh, more verticality on the map. That's when like Diva can shine. That's when your dive, you know, the Winston can shine. Gibraltar's always been like a, a decent dive map. Uh, or n- not decent, a very good dive map, like a mm-hmm. dive plus like hit scan carry map because the high there's so much high ground, like the shuttle mm-hmm. and everything. Um, so yeah, no, definitely Diva's fine on um, on Gibraltar. I just think for low like flat maps like KR, yeah. it's just not great. Makes sense. Hmm. Any any kind of general thoughts? I know that obviously team scrim and and play and, and heard that Houston does does well it just seems like they can't at least my my speculation i'll i'll take this they don't translate what they can do to the stage mm-hmm. um where do you kind of fall on that do you have any thoughts insights ideas on why houston isn't necessarily gelling it felt like this past week things looked a little uncohesive like the you know the gears nice weren't word. necessarily yeah it's it's not great but where, where do you kind of fall on this I mean, at least this time they actually won. They actually won it, then lost it, as opposed to like the Dallas mm. game where they just lost. Like they, you know, they they didn't have it the win yet. They 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 probably could have gotten the win if like their Doom Fist was on point because I think they were up numbers. Yeah, uh, they hadn't actually won it yet. Whereas they literally like had the win right there, and they just like got their put their hands off the keyboard or something and just dropped their spaghetti everywhere. But I. Th- I think every, I think it's very hard for teams to perform like they do in scrims. It, it depends on your team, right? Some teams sure. perform better um, in like a match scenario. Some teams play, uh, and other teams, you know, just pop off in scrims and they don't do well in matches or they don't do as well. Um, and I think every, I can't speak for every team, but I think most teams struggle with this um, to some degree. Uh, like for us, I'll say like this this week, like we were pounding in scrims, but. Yeah. Uh, you know, Glad's like. I think the Glad's match should have been three zero, um, but it didn't. It, it obviously wasn't. Like we struggled at points. Um, Hanamura was a shit show for you know every everyone involved. Sure. Um, but yeah, it just like sometimes it depends on the match. Is just different. Like everything, you can be so prepared, but then when it hits, like I mean, we can talk. I think we talk about our match later. Um, so I'll kind of hold my thoughts for then. But okay, every every team goes through this. Uh, goes through this where they're like, okay, we were pounding in scrims. What happened during the match? Or like, wow, we got bodied in scrims, but like it doesn't matter because we won the match. Um, so I think it's it's just a matter of translating. Um, every every team has problems or different different issues on the spectrum of translating. Some people don't calm very much in scrims and then calm too much in matches, and that throws the team off. And some you know some people play super aggressive in scrims and just play very scrimmy. But then when they get, when they hit the match, they don't play like that anymore. Like mm-hmm. they go back to old habits where they're like, okay, it's a match. Like I can't die. Like I can't be aggressive. Right. Yeah. Whereas in scrims, it's like, there's no pressure. You just like, you just go balls to the wall. Um, and you can just dominate in scrims. Right. But then when he hits match, then 
you know, oh, like what happened to your Reddit Lucio? He's not like Reddit Lucioing anymore. He's just like, right? It it, it just different. It, a match a match is always different than a scrim, um, and it's just a matter of every every great the great teams like are consistent in scrims and consistent in the match. And I think it's just Huge is not yet there, mm. uh, and just a cla- like just a normal like mid table team that is struggling with inconsistencies in uh, scrims and matches. So Houston, Houston themselves, they ended the se- their regular season, right? Cause they're done. They don't have any games left at six and 15. Um, do you think based on all the time you spent scrimming with them and stuff, do you think that that's kind of the right, um, the right final ranking for them? Or do you think that maybe we should have seen some better results out of Houston? <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know off the top of my head because I haven't seen their strength of schedule. Like, I don't know if they've played more of the harder teams in the league. Sure. Um, and I think I would like to know that before I can give like a assertive answer. Mm. Uh, but I don't think it really. I don't know. They have hydration and maintaining. It's like that's like not something you could have really seen coming into the season like when you're predicting like hey how is houston gonna do the season you don't predict it with hydration on main tank in mind right so um but yeah i think i think middle of the pack is where i in my head i place houston i don't know if six and 13 is middle of the pack or like bottom six and 15 is currently right now 17th um you have uprising justice and titans below them hunters Uh, slightly above them. Spitfire could still technically draw, uh, lose all five, but tech- they're pretty much locked in, I think, at this point. Does Defiant have more wins than Houston, or less? Um, Defiant have more wins. They're 8-12 and 12 with two games remaining. Okay, interesting. Yeah, uh, well, I, I mean, I think that, that answers the question, right? I think if Houston is a mid-table team, but the results don't indicate that they're a mid-table team. So I think that's <laughs> that that kind of answers the question, right? Totally. That, yeah. Yeah. They definitely underperformed, like no question. For sure. Um Joe, any other questions about this Houston Valiant game? No, um I I I don't know if you have a ton of thoughts. I thought it was really strange. Um I know that we talked about like the the junkrat and the widow kind of uh dynamic or dichotomy. Um Houston rolling out on Junkrat and then going back to swap to McCree and staying within that brawl kind of archetype and then pushing through stairs into the far was kind of weird to me. I don't know. Maybe you could kind of give some insight. I know, obviously, former pro player. Yeah. Very, very skilled in that sense. Why exactly would you want to kind of push stairs and not go directly to point to kind of like abuse the map geometry to to kind of limit the far? Uh, well, you don't limit the fair if you go to point. If you go to point, fair okay. just just spams point like the fair doesn't have to do anything doesn't even have to think they just spam mm. point um i think that the issue are you... this is houston versus valiant right didn't yeah. didn't and you're saying in valiant rent i don't remember this particular fight but you're saying valiant rent Farah. i think in my head i'm thinking of when they played shock and rascal was pounding them on Farah. Mm. that's that's the nepal i'm thinking of um wait are we even talking we're not even talking about nepal are we no, yeah, but with Nepal. Okay. Yeah, first so fight on Village. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't remember the Houston uh the Houston Valiant Nepal that well. Um because in my head I was thinking of 
the uh, the Houston Shock one, which yeah. was sounds like a similar scenario where I think so. They they went back to spawn because like oh shit, like we're just gonna get pounded by Farah yeah. if we play Junkrat, which is yeah, that's like you the the like flowchart Overwatch that happens there when you is usually you go to straight to point. Mm-hmm. Um, you cap it first because the Farah needs to work up to barrage. Once Farah has barrage, you you lose the point instantly, and then you have to swap your entire comp. So that means you exchange twenty percent on the point for like it for zero alts because like you have to you have to swap your like dps comps and then you have to retake with mm. no alts um so that's like that's definitely like good call like good coaching to like hey you see farah and you're on Junkrat, sure like go back like swap to hit scan um i don't remember exactly what happened how they were dealing with the valiant farah but i know the issue like i can definitely pick out point out like the issue with them against shock is Repel was just not healing his team. He was just DPSing Rascal, who has a mercy pocket. He's never going to kill Rascal. Right. Um, but like, he built like Nano just completely off of DPSing Rascal, and that just means his team's not getting any heals, and his team can't push. Like, it shouldn't be on him. It should be on his DPS to kind of poke out the Farah. He should not be 100% um, focused on DPSing the Farah. It should be like, okay, you get an opportunity, hit him with a, you know, hit him with a one tap, maybe a two tap, just to keep him honest. Um, but otherwise, like he should be focusing on, on healing his team and like pushing with his team. But he was basically in spawn, yeah. like just playing one v one v two against Rascal and uh, and Moth in the air. It didn't really make sense. No, I, I think that definitely checks out. It's yeah. it, it's kind of a a specific you know insight, but I think that 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 summarizes what I wanted out of it. It's it's yeah. it's an interesting little thing. You can't um, go to yeah. You can't go to yeah. point against Farah on Nepal. Okay. In short, makes sense. <laughs> in conclusion. <laughs> in conclusion uh let's let's talk about your uh match against uh glads this week yeah. this is um a ton of fun but i think maybe before we talk about glads let's just kind of i want to kind of hear your thoughts so you've let me let me make sure i get these and get these right here um so we go let's go let me go to my schedules here and make sure i get these right so you go to you go deep in May Melee, right? Um, mm-hmm. Do really well. Beat Rain, beat Fusion, put up a great fight against the Shock in the Grand Finals. Yeah. And Summer Showdown, what did you call it? The Summer... Slump. The Summer Slump. You lose to Houston Bro. round one and you're out. Uh, since then, you're, you're three and one. Um, playing against Justice, Gladiators, and Rain, only losing to the Shock. Mm-hmm. As we're going into uh, Countdown Cup, how how are you feeling overall um, about your team, your chances? Um, obviously, I don't think you're going to go be like, I think we're going to suck and we're going to slump in the first round again this week. But uh, you know, how do you we feel about? Uh, we can't slump in the first round because we, you know, we you don't do win. have a buy. That's fair. That's, tr- that's true. Yeah, you do have a buy. So I guess first game would be the right uh, <laughs> match. But how, how are you guys feeling going into into that? Do you feel pretty good about your chances based on where the meta is and kind of how you played over the past month? Um. Yeah. I mean, I think scrims has been going well. Like it just took us a while to adjust. Uh, it took us longer as a team to adjust to the Genji meta. Um, I think mm. that just explains the... Uh, yeah, we didn't commit to the Genji. Um, and, you know, in, in hindsight, maybe we should have. Um, but also at the time, there was... I believe Brig Armor is still a thing, right? At the time? 
I think. At that patch? I think so. So then it was like, okay, maybe we can get away with Tracer. Um, and I think other teams had similar ideas as well, like Shock, right? Like Shock mm-hmm. had this idea. Um, like, okay, we'll just get away with two hit scans because um, it, it worked in the past. Uh, so I think it took us a while. It, it, not a while. It just took us a little longer to not immediately adopt the Genji, like, hey, let's play Genji. Right. Um, yeah, so I think now that we've had m- way more weeks of practice with the Genji, um, I have, you know, I feel much better, uh, much more optimistic about kind of our chances in the cup. Um, I think, you know, I hope, and I think we're, we're going to do well, um, but we'll see. I don't think, I think we need to, we definitely need to play better than we did against Glads to kind of make it through. Um, yeah, because the Glads game was scrappy, uh, and I, we, we definitely had chances, opportunities to execute like a lot cleaner. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely a lot of a lot of times where we got picked too early um, and, and gave easy picks and just kind of let the glads uh, take advantage of that um, through like our own errors. Uh, but I, yeah. But basically, I'm I'm optimistic. I think we'll I think we'll I, I hope we I think we at least get to semis. Um, like that's it'd be a huge disappointment if we don't get to semis. Um, and then semis, I think we're up against shock. Um, so hopefully we get, you know, third time's the charm and we're able to beat Shock this time. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the same time, it's Shock. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think I'm probably not sober if I'd say like, <laughs> I, appre- I appreciate just like, the- beat shock with like complete certainty, right? Like yeah. I think we can beat Shock. Will we beat Shock? I mean, that's up to the team. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make any promises on, um, on that front. Mm. What, pro- what promises can you make us? <laughs> I said we should we should get to semis. Like, I don't think it matters if I mean we have we're fourth seed, so we don't get a pick. So I think the strongest team will fall to us. Um, so probably Atlanta or Glads. Um, yeah. and I, I I fancy our chances against both of those teams. Um, certainly. So big question for me is like, can we beat Chalk? That's a big question for me. I don't think it's necessarily out of the out of the realm of possibility. It's definitely one of those those matchups kind of going back to that Genji question. It's like, okay, you have a team like Florida that can pilot the meta in multiple different ways, and then shock supers Genji is serviceable. Yeah. That that's 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 kind of been established now. They they've used it. It it works as well as it can. I don't I still don't particularly think it's great. It might be the best that they have. But I think that says something. It's not necessarily discrediting the rest of those pieces because the rest of those pieces are fantastic. Some of the best in the world, maybe the best in the world. But it's going to test that kind of theory of if you don't have that kind of playmaker Genji, can you have? Can you afford to have that playmaking role on another hero? Will it work on other maps? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm. Did they run? Inclined to. Did they run? Uh... Super Genji against you guys? Yeah, they, ran, they didn't play Super against us. They played, they played Tayo. Tayo. Four maps. And they played Super, um, I think, a map against Houston. Is that right? No, they played Super two maps against Houston. He okay. played he played Genji on Gibraltar, and then he played um and then he played main tank on KR. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, they did they did run Genji against us. Um, but I, I think that match was also like it's when. We just made too many mistakes. Like we we weren't. I think I talked about this pri- previously on sure. you know s- some other point. Um, but we just weren't. We were letting Violet get away with murder. Um, we weren't really pressuring him, and we were playing kind of scared. Um, so I think that's just like bad habits coming back. Um, and if we can, 
if we could just like not play like i think the first time we played against shock like in the main melee like we played like reckless like we we didn't give them any respect like we were just going at them right and i yeah. think that that's the kind of tempo like you need if you want to like same thing with like paris like you want when you watch paris mm-hmm. or shock like the tempo is super high um you gotta run i think to beat shock you have to your team has to be playing at a tempo that's uncomfortable for them because the shock already play at like a pretty high tempo but they play at their tempo and um if you let them get comfortable that's when like they're just too good of a team if they're comfortable to um, to not get the win. So I think making them uncomfortable, um, putting them on the back foot's like the only way to to beat shock. <laughs> uh, I'll go, go first. Uh, do you notice okay. any sort of um, like uh, additional like er, mental uh, obstacles when going up against a really great team like the Shock? Maybe the Paris Eternal now that they've got some you know really decisive wins on the belt and kind of kind of kind of separated i think from the pack of like the the top middle teams um do you do you notice um any sort of different mentals from the players and do you do anything to try to uh compensate for that get them in the right headspace um well i personally don't do anything since i don't sure do sure sure yeah. i mean i think Kuki does a great job like, he was a player himself like he knows what the players are feeling he's very in tune with like their emotions and what they need to you know what they need to hear um so he's like he's like serious but like lighthearted at the same time so like he'll say something very serious but in like kind of a joking manner um which kind of appeals like to players like he can like he can cut like if the energy is like super down um he's he has this ability like i think every every good coach has the ability right to to talk their team back into existence you know like back from the brink oh so i think yeah, so I think at halftime, like he he's really good at motivating the team and getting them refocused. Um, but I think he's been working hard like all year. Um, I I think one of the yes, we kept a lot of like players from our last year's roster, and yes, we're we're good. But one of like the downsides to keeping a roster that was like not great is there's a lot of like deeply ingrained habits that you also need to break. Um, because I think you look at us the first like few months of the season back when homestands were still a thing that was so long ago um but we were like a very slow team like we were just a, a garbage we were like a budget version of nixel in terms of how mm. fast we we're playing which is not good like that pace is like not good um so and then as i said like i think the last time i was on here like that was like the beginning of when our pace kind of ramped up um and the kind of the pace where every good team plays is like much faster um you're taking you're taking you're making fights happen a lot quicker um you're bringing it to the enemy team you're being proactive in your fight selection um and you're being smart uh and i think and instead of just letting the other team do whatever they want to you and then you just you play reactively um so i think that's that's kind of like what kuki's been great at like been working all year um is just hey like remember like we play at this speed now like we're a good team now like make sure you know you guys can do this um and like don't you know just don't be scared of the other team in that same way where you're, you're kind of preaching this this kind of very proactive and, and setting the tempo high, um, I, I know that the Titans, not to completely derail from, from the Mayhem, because I do want to return to them, uh, the Titans were kind of dabbling with the, some, some McCree and Genji and, and playing a very direct and, and engage-focused uh, style of, of this current meta composition. Do you think that that has some legs to stand on on certain maps where you are kind of 
disallowing the ash to kind of set up kind of not mitigating but limiting exactly how and where the widow can really work do you think like this this very direct like brute force style could could benefit some teams i i think personally i think mccree's inferior to ash in the okay. moment um ash just provides better team fight potential uh i think mccree's better if they're playing like dive like if there's like a tracer um maybe and you're or or it could just be like shockwave's better at mccree than he is at ash so sure. it's, maybe it's that simple right but i think generally all things being equal if your ash and your mccree play are the same you you should be picking ash over mccree in, a, in it when you when you're pairing it with the genji okay now to kind of return to the mayhem mm-hmm. we did kind of reference this earlier but you have your own little look you have this double flex look with mm-hmm. byram coming in who might i say had a fantastic week played very very well yeah. um do you obviously you're not the coach like you said but is there a good chance that we will see this this style continuing? Is there any room for Brig? Obviously, you guys did play it, but it seems like you guys are very comfortable with both the Zenyatta and the Baptiste. Is that kind of the, the, the mission statement moving forward? I think that's what we've been trying, whether or not okay. you know, scrims this week will dictate what we run in the actual cup. Mm. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I, I think we're back to the lab tomorrow. Today's our off day. Um, so I don't know what we're gonna, you know, I don't know what we're gonna run sure. on uh on Friday or not Friday. We don't play Friday on Saturday, um, and I think that's for me that's been part of like a nice surprise. Like I watch scrims, but like I'm always pleasantly surprised that like the strats they roll out. Um, so it's been fun from like a from my perspective just to like feel get that like fan feeling again, even though I'm on the, I'm part of the team, um, just to see you know what comps we're running, what kind of strats we're sure. running. But yeah, so like I will probably see Zen Bap. Um, I mean, we'll definitely see some Brig play. Um, but I think right now, Ikugi's identified that like this just works better for us. Um, mm. So that's why, we're, that's why we're playing it. Um, and other teams are still sticking to the Brig, Brig Bap. Um, and we've kind of, you know, we are at least Kuki thinks Zen Bap might be a little bit better. Uh, and give us okay. a little bit more flexibility since we weren't really running Lucio. Mm. Um, but also, like, as you saw, like, when we're running Lucio, like, it's gone on general Lucio for Koth. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we see more gone on general Lucio, maybe not. Uh, maybe Chris is back in for Koth. We'll see. Um, mm. A lot of, a lot of unknowns, uh, this, this early on in the week. For sure. And we know if everybody starts playing double flex, we know who to call. We know, uh, as I said, we weren't even the first. We okay, were, fair, fair, fair. were late adopters. Okay, like uh, <laughs> May Melee, it was being run already. Um, Atlanta, mm. and Shop. that's true. That's true. Double double flex. Mm. We're just the only team. I guess we're just rebels. We're just like we just like we're the only team running like Brig Bap really for May Melee, and then for you know now now approaching like last last week we were like one of the only teams running Zen Bap. So who knows? Atlanta could definitely do it. They have. Two flex supports again um, mm. since they picked up Eris. So we'll see. Yeah, it's it, the Countdown Cup's coming. And it's, you know, again, shout out to the league. Thank you for the tournaments. They're fantastic. They're definitely, you know, a nice little treat at the end of the month to, uh, you know, have some nice Overwatch, have some good Overwatch. And it, it's kind of needed after this last week because it wasn't, wasn't great, you know, credit where credit's due. And, you know, 
curmudgeon when you need to. It's it wasn't fantastic. It was a little, little dull. So ready to get back into the swing of things. I thought I thought Albert was supposed to be the curmudgeon. No, <laughs> that's me. Juice. All right. So I do want to actually want to circle back on a point. Um, and sure. and Dasef asked this in chat and. S- Basically, you had you had mentioned that the uh, the really good uh, teams right now, Shock and Paris, uh, have this much higher tempo of play, sure. and um, that's part of what makes them so good. Any insight as to like why? And I think that this is something we've talked about on the show, and it's just kind of like a general um, attribute of a team like New York Excelsior. I think are a great example of a team that um, it historically has uh, performed well playing a much more slow and like methodical uh, game uh, play style. Is there any reason why uh, you think that that's changed or that's no longer really relevant for the Overwatch League or the Overwatch that we're playing now at a competitive level? I think there's certain situations where playing reactively is fine. Like when you're like when you know an enemy has or the other team has like nanoblade or something and you try to set you position in a way that's a little bit more reactive because you have to i think that's that's fine there's still like there's still room for reactive plays there's still room where reactive setups are you know probably the best option um but generally speaking being reactive across like an entire series is just not great um cuz when you're down ults you should be trying to force the enemy team to make a mistake and you can't force the enemy to make a mistake when you're just not doing anything. When you're waiting for them to make a mistake. Um, so instead of, you know, hey, let's do this, then and put them on the back foot and make them react to you, um, it's just a lot harder. Because, like, when, when you initiate contact, like, you're already, you're forcing them to, like, think about what they're going to do in a reaction, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're just waiting, you don't know what the enemy team is going to do. You think you might know, um, but... You're just letting them get the timings right, like get them get a surround, mm. and just it just you're just giving them time to execute what they want to do, and that just doesn't really make much sense when if you have the talent. So it works well, like Nixel super talent season one, um, and it's like it doesn't it probably doesn't matter what style they play, they just chose to play that style, like regardless they could win. Um, but had that team, imagine that team like they did really well in the regular season, so I guess it's, you don't really have to matter doing well, but like. How much more dangerous they, more dominant they would have looked had they played like super aggressive, um, and more proactive, like kind of the shock, the way shock always plays, right? It's there's like a ebb and flow. I've never seen Joe so excited on the show, by the way, than when you talked about uh, a, a decisive NYXL and an aggressive NYXL. He just got really, he just beamed yeah. like sunshine like, rays. Like you watch shock, like they there's very little downtime. They're like, okay, next. Next thing we want to do, go. Like next thing we want to do, go. Like Smurf pressuring, striker pressuring. Um, whereas with Nixel was like a lot of just waiting around and just like mm-hmm. backing up, backing up, backing up. And like you can only back up so far until you have to take a fight. Um, and I think a good example of this is us uh, from our match actually bring back to what we were talking about. Um, that second point defense we had. On Nimbani was one of the worst fuck was one of the worst things I've seen our team do. Um, if you remember that, we didn't take a single fight. Mm. We, I think they like they bongoed like first corner, then they like windowed second corner, and then that was the second point. Like we just didn't take a fight. And I was and I think Yaki had blade like that entire time. So like that's like precisely why 
be playing passive doesn't work because you play passive it goes to a point where they're just cycling alts on you and you're just like oh we don't want to risk like going in on this or like we're just gonna let them execute on us like they just they just chain like alts on the proper corners and then you just end up not even taking a fight because you're waiting for like the perfect opportunity to like pop a blade or you're waiting for the perfect opportunity to engage um like make that opportunity just go um take some take the fight at the first corner because you know it's good and you give yourself opportunities to um you know use their for them to use their ults in a way that is not like as perfect as just bongo first corner like window second corner and then that's that's the second point attack right mm. so i think that's you know that's that's precisely why i think passive play style is just not good it kind of comes back to something uh, I, I'd, I'd kind of attribute this to Yiska and, and talking about asking asking teams questions in, in, a, in a metaphorical sense, not literally. Mm-hmm. But, but when you play aggressively, when you kind of play proactively, you're immediately kind of coming to an answer rather than, like you said, kind of sitting back waiting, mm-hmm. taking the information that you have and trying to formulate what the enemy might do. And they don't necessarily have to play by your rules, let alone just played by the heroes that you think they're going to play with so it's I, I i generally agree that playing playing aggressive playing forward playing you know in, in, a, in a simple but eloquent way just go is, is a good mantra to i feel like love life by yeah just i mean I think, it, I think i think it's better to be like if you had to if you could only choose one style aggressive is always way better than playing passive. like just perma aggression is better than like so you look at kind of valiant like Valance almost like the perfect example of this. Like everyone's like, oh, they're like outperforming expectations. Like, look at the way they play. They're like one of the most like blo- like aggressive teams in terms of like when they choose to go, they go at you like super hard. Um mm. and they're it's six people going at you at, at in, in like one moment. Um and I think that's like that gets them in trouble at times. Um, but that's also like how like a big part of how they've been able to like surpass expectations just because when they get aggressive. Like they get aggressive, and they make you. They force mistakes out of the other team. Yeah, it checks out. I mean, even going back to you know back when the home stands were still around, you know, you had gig charging across ponds. You yeah. you really did have all six people running at you in compositions that you wouldn't normally expect it to. So it's definitely changes the tempo, and I think it's a good way to put it. Puts it in your favor. Yeah, uh, Joe. As we're as we're kind of wrapping up here, any other last questions? Chat for you all as well. Last questions for Albert. Um, as we kind of wrap it away, I, I I feel remiss not to kind of give Dallas a little bit of you know quick little hopeful love. I know that Decay you know leaving the team is is a big downer and and to be expected. But to Yiska's credit, you know, talking about uh, take delay. Uh, kind of came into this and was was high on them versus Philly, and I believe predicted them against uh, Atlanta. Um, interested to see your thoughts on some of their their creative usage of, of Anna specifically on Watchpoint Gibraltar. Um, had this very interesting. I w- I don't know if it was a set play. It seemed to happen quite often where mm-hmm. Crimson would find quite quite a sizable uh, biotic nade and then would nano doha in a kind of acceleration sense to kind of like pseudo engage but yeah. they kind of screwed up their nano blade rhythm i don't know exactly where you fall in that kind of like theoretically speaking where where is that sound good do you think it's it could be usable so in theory um in theory it should be better 
Because uh, okay. if, if you can win a fight without blading, and then you have blade for the next fight, that means you have you basically want two fights with the same amount of ults that you otherwise would have used to just win one fight. Um, because blade's powerful enough without a nano. Sure. Um, so I think that's just in a perfect world. Like if you're actually if you're if you're hitting like a two man anti or like a four man mm. anti, and you're sending your Genji in, and he just dash resets on them with, and then builds his blade off of that, and then blades the next fight, and you win that fight. That's two fights for you know when you would have just otherwise won one. If you use both alts at the same time, um, so I think in theory it's better. Um, in practice, it probably doesn't work like that, um, or it definitely doesn't work like that. But I think in theory it's sound. Um, so that that's just in my head, like you know. Sure, yeah, of course. If you're mid maxing, it's like okay, well, in, instead of using nano blade, why don't we just nano a naked Genji, build his blade for the next fight? As long as we win that fight, then we can you know we can just keep that going, right? Um, or you, and you don't even necessarily have to nano Doha into that. You can nano like Winston into that, right? Mm. And nano anything into an anti nade stack, really. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily like poor. It's just, okay. yeah, it's definitely creative and idealistic. Know, yeah, yes, very. It's it's perfect Overwatch uh, to kind of bring that back. Um, Looking, I've kind of foreshadowed this with the Titans talk, but looking at a team like Dallas that obviously is going through a little bit of tumultuousness um, with Decay and whatnot, um, they have been playing, like you said, high tempo, very, very fast rhythm. They're taking engagements and they look in certain fights really, really good. Obviously, they're, they're still kind of getting their legs under them. Is there something that you feel like they could run to kind of help them get there? It might just be very one dimensional and and kind of generic, but is there some sort of weird again, I'm going to throw something out there. It might not even work, but some sort of weird like Genji Reaper on certain points where you can just bust through, take these really kind of direct engagements and and really force the tempo in your favor and then maybe swap to Ash. But kind of where, where do you where do you sit on that? I think Field just has a spacing issue. Like when I watch okay. them play, they're too grouped up. Um, they don't take space, and they're too grouped up. And when you're too grouped up into Ash Genji, you're just going to get bladed over and over again. You're going to get mm. dilated over and over again. I think that was like the main issue. Okay. Um, I saw like it seemed like Oni God was like really playing like inside of his team instead of like trying to take an off angle or yeah, it it just they were just basically playing in a stack, and then Doha was kind of like on his own. Um, mm. but you kind of want both their DPS to like, uh, to control space. And I think okay. it was just Doha and when, when it's just a solo Genji, um, like when it's just a Genji on the flank and like, you're not dealing with an Ash from another angle. Um, it, it's just, it's just a lot of pressure on Doha, um, and an ability, like it's easy to focus fire when it's just a, a one in five or five. Uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely kind of checks out because he was getting picked quite often. Um, earlier in the week and then versus atlanta still kind of you know taking taking some some l's but again i think he and oni god both had had pretty impressive performances um oni god specifically against uh, philly had had quite a few little moments i think again dallas could have played and positioned a little bit better i think they they negated a lot of their picks just from where they were taking their fights there was one fight in particular i think he got like a pick on the sombra or, or somebody i may have been the genji I'm just diving on the high ground on on late Gibraltar A, kind of on the rafters, and this Dallas decides to take a fight in in server room, kind of like limiting where he can kind of position where he can take these fights, and that's when Fury kind of really starts to ramp up, gets the energy, and 
and kind of just just pounds with a numbers disadvantage. Um, I, I mean, generally, it makes sense, right? You have the numbers advantage. You want to take the engagement. But do you think that, again, throwing team fights out there, just kind of describing them? But is that kind of check out? Like, should you really be taking a fight in an enclosed space against Azaria, who's going to have high charge and limiting your own widow? Do you kind of let them come out to cart, try to capture them there? Like, um, what do you do with that? Is this Gibraltar? Which map yeah. is this? Gibraltar, laid on A, Widow's on high ground, just gets a pick. Philly's rotating into server on attack, mm-hmm. and Dallas want, is, is choosing to engage into them. Is, do you feel like that's a correct choice? Does, do you feel like it limits the Widow? Maybe that's just me. Mm, I think you should be you should be pressuring them, but like if it doesn't look like a fight that you can win, you shouldn't just like 5v5 in the room, because that's what you're doing right. with the Widow. Yeah. Um, you kind of want to just make them at least fight them like at the choke like with, with you want to fight them you want to every time you have a widow you should be playing in the widow's sight lines unless you have like a big numbers advantage right um, so generally speaking i think yeah or or you know unless you have alts that you can use in that room sure. um, but yeah i mean i i think that's just it's just a decision making error um mm-hmm. it could be you know i don't know what the comp structure is like maybe paint's calling it maybe you know maybe so i don't know who's calling the, who's calling for dallas and who's calling the engages um might just be that i i just i'm I'm still thinking of like the Atlanta game mm. in my head um where it just seems like they were just they're just too clumped up and they were they they doha was like trying to play the game at a different pace than the rest of his team mm. um, and i just don't think it really they should be playing trying to be playing as aggressive as doha is playing but like in like as five because okay. um, i think doha was like doing really like really spectacular like flank ng stuff um but his team wasn't always there like he was just on a solo mission a lot of time um like in hanamura i think a lot of time just kind of on an island almost and uh yeah that's that's how i feel about that yeah i i I mean to that i think it's a nice way to wrap up i think dallas has there's a little bit of something there to give give fans hope i don't think all is lost i think uh, I, I'm big on the creative use of of the nano engages. I think it's an interesting kind of look. It could kind of set teams off kilter with how and where you're taking your engagements. It seems like Crimson can, can very consistently find these nades um, when playing the, the kind of Winston Zarya Winston Diva style. It seems like that's where they're most comfortable. So I don't think all hopes lost. I think you know a good week of practice. Hopefully this decay dues. Uh, uh, doesn't necessarily get to the mentals and get to the morale of the team because I, I could be it could be a dark horse performance and looming. I feel like it doesn't. I I you know it's probably the team members have probably known about this for a while now. So this probably mm. I I would be very surprised if this was news to anyone on the team, right? Because um, it you know especially if the, if what Hastro says is true and he wasn't showing up to practice and he just wanted to sure. leave. Like, I'm sure everyone on the team was aware of this w- way before um, it was announced. So I don't think it'll affect the mental any more than you know, it already has. I don't think it's sure. going to get worse because um, they they're probably have been processing this like outcome for a while now. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, not to completely go back to decay, but it's sad. But I think Dallas has has some hopes going into the countdown cup. I don't think all is lost. Got some got some interesting looks as long as they can kind of tighten it up. I, I think they could. They might make some. Make some, turn some heads. I don't know if they're going to win anything. I don't know if they're going to win the entire event. 
might not even get it out of you know qualifiers but who do they play next let's see they play they were they played justice so again oh, ooh, that, is, that is a very winnable match for them. very winnable i would and then i, I definitely predict them beating I, I definitely would have them over the justice for sure oh. Yeah. especially after after the last performance i think they they look good and again not 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 easy teams by any means again i, I think people are kind of down on atlanta but their match first philly was I, I won't say close but again, I was, there's stuff there i was very surprised that Valiant picked houston instead of picking dc because i personally would rate houston above dc mm. in terms of strength sure um so yeah i mean definitely fortuitous for <laughs> Uh, for DC to drop, drop all the way down to to Dallas Field. Um, yeah. Um, Granted, this might be a little much, and you can completely decline the answer. But do you guys have a working kind of like flow chart onto who and where you might be looking to pick uh, come quarters? Or granted, I guess if you're four seed, like you mentioned, that you might not necessarily get to pick. We don't get to pick at all. Yeah. Uh, I I think we. We either play Atlanta or we play Glads. Just that's okay. fair enough. I, I, unless you know, unless someone's trolling, unless Paris and uh, unless Shock Paris or or Philly pick you know better teams, uh, or pick Atlanta or Glads um, hmm. for you know out of Hubers or something. Um, but I really doubt that they do, since this is like the last cup. Right. And uh, yeah, so I I anticipate a, a rematch against Glads or Atlanta, depending on. Who's third? Philly, I think. I yep. believe Philly so. is third. Yeah, depending on who Philly thinks is stronger, we'll just get whoever's. All right, we'll just. Sorry, depending on who Philly thinks is weaker, we'll just get whoever's. You know, whoever's left. Mm. And I, 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 t- I think Glads and Atlanta should win their matches, unless, right? They Atlanta should. Plays Titans um, but Defiant, we saw Defiant last last month uh, go deeper than expected, right? Uh, We've uh, seen um, Vancouver go a little bit deeper in some of these matches recently. Like, I wish I could say that these, like, that we had, so we had May Melee, right? May Melee was the higher seed always won. Always, yeah. all the way through for NA, right? And then mm-hmm. Summer Showdown was... I don't want to say the opposite, but it felt like there was a lot more upsets and a lot more, at least if you look at the seating, um, than, uh, we've seen, I mean, there's like, it's, it's no, it's no secret that Atlanta has been shaky. Um, I don't know if that's enough for them to lose against, uh, Vancouver, but Vancouver has clicked in a couple of matches that have kind of made you go, huh? (laughs) I wonder. Hmm. Um, I, I don't think that that's the upset here, though. But I do look and see, like, could Outlaws just boom Valiant? Could, could you know, with uh, yeah. a, a decayless fuel, uh, could, could Justice sneak one away? Maybe, but uh, what I'm saying is, like, as long as there's not four upsets, we're going to sure. get the strong team like there's going to be yeah. one strong team yeah, and we're going to end up with the strongest team so literally the upsets don't even matter to me because we're not going to benefit off any of that so um that's why i think you know, regardless of what happens i think we get atlanta we yeah, get that's, true. Yeah. that's that <laughs> i think that that's is, that's probably true yeah and again all doable those are those are very winnable matches again yeah. florida just coming off a win and uh, atlanta 
I know I just said people are down on him, but again, they're they're kind of the consistent I, team. I would in take, all right I would now. take mayhem in in either, in Both either of those games. matches. Yeah, I mean, I think they're dangerous. Like, I Atlanta has new player new players. Like honeymoon periods are always good. There's always a honeymoon period for every roster. Sure. Um, and Any... you know, varying, varying levels of the performance during the honeymoon period. Um, mm. but I think every every roster when they get new blood has has a honeymoon period. Is there any insight as to like why you think that is? Um, is that something that you think is unique, more unique in Overwatch? I don't think so. I think it's just when, so usually when there's been roster shakeups or when new people get introduced, it's because of underperformance. Um, and then when you inject new blood, uh, it brings new perspective. Like they, you know, totally outside of the bad performances prior. Um, and if it's like a, if it's a move that like the players in the team are also behind, um, then you know it's just getting to play with a new player. Like they, every everyone plays Overwatch differently, um, different personalities, sure. uh, and it's like a it's like a starting it's like starting from a, a fresh slate, right? It's like okay, everything's new. We're working from you know ground zero. Uh, we have confidence. Usually, you know, it's an upgrade, or you think it's an upgrade on paper. Um, there's always a logical reason behind why new blood gets introduced. So it's like okay, we should be better. Um, therefore, you know, we play better. And then, then eventually you play together long enough and like issues will always arise, mm. like new issues that um, eventually come to surface. But for the honeymoon period, um, you know, it, it's fresh for everyone. It's fresh for the, pl- the player that gets introduced is really hungry, wants to, you know, keep the spot, um, that, keep the opportunity that they have. So I think, yeah, I think honeymoon period is not really unique to Overwatch, um, but just, just the human human psychology makes sense um last last question or topic before we go uh recently we had the end of season playoffs so you've got na and eu or not eu (laughs) na i'm so used to talking about valorant now that everything's split in na and eu we Mm. don't talk about apac and korea uh na and asia you have Mm. two separate playoff brackets and then the top two teams from each go to um, a semi-centralized location for a semi-online grand finals. Uh, what are your overall thoughts on um, on the format overall, and have you booked your tickets yet? I mean, we'd have to finish. No one's getting. No one's booking their tickets until the playoffs happens. Um, that was just. That was just joking. No, no, no. Your confidence. But, uh, Show me the confidence. I'm not that type of per- I'm not that type of person. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I actually feel. I'm not going to lie about. You know, I'm not going to lie about. It's fair. Um, yeah, but uh, I wish it was land. End of the day, I do wish it was a true land and not online play. Mm-hmm. Um, feels feels kind of shit, but uh, what can you do? You know, it's 2020. There's a pandemic. Yeah. There's a global pandemic. Um, you do what you have to do. Uh, it's better than nothing. It's better than it's. I think it's certainly better than two different champions in like two different regions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's better than that. Uh, but yeah, I think as long as as long as this was like the best that Blizzard could do, um, and I think it probably is the best that Blizzard can do. I'm fine with it. Um, give, you know, I I think having a unified championship is important. Um, so yeah you have like a real champion and then i think the final four format is is great um 
I think me and Rostin discussed it um, before, you know, submitting it to like, hey, like, it'd kind of be cool to have like a group, you know, two from each since, because I, I was like, he initially, like when we were asked for feedback, Rostin was like, oh, it just seems like kind of anticlimactic to, yeah, I was like, yeah, it's definitely anticlimactic to just have like one match in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When there's like two regions with different play styles, um, yeah, you could say like, oh, NA has 13 teams, so like maybe we get more. Um, but end of the day, it's like, I, I think it's still fine because um, uh, the 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 strength of like the uh, the APAC teams are apparent. You know, I think uh, most people think the average strength of the teams in the APAC regions higher than the average strength of the the NA teams. Um, so I think that's fair. First, I, I think the same way as well. So yeah. I think it's fine to have two from each region. NA definitely is. Uh, they do have the, a couple of anchor teams, don't they? <laughs> um, yeah, you yeah. can do that. You can do that. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. I think I think that's largely kind of on on par with kind of. I think where people are at, it's like, who are we to complain? Like, yes, there's criticisms to it, but at the same time, you know what? In 2020, I'll take just about anything at this point. Yep. You just don't cancel my season. Don't um, you know? It is kind of interesting that all play all, all teams, right, are um, able to kind of get a shot. But I think uh, besides, I think that was the only thing that I saw that was like, oh, I guess that that point kind of makes sense. Yeah, why you know do, why should every team um, get a shot? At the same time, I get I get the leagues kind of approach to it of like we've changed so much <laughs> we've done yeah. so much like let's just give people you know let's let's just hope that the the system you know holds up the competitive integrity to the point that where we get the right teams qualifying and we don't feel like we um you know end up getting the wrong teams in playoffs and grand finals so yeah i think generally from na it's like there's like four top teams right I think general consensus. So, yep. like having half of those top teams compete with two of you know the top teams out of the other regions, is perfectly fine. Totally. Yep. All right. Big agree. Well, we're gonna go ahead and get out of here. Big thank you uh, to everybody who hung out today, Albert. Thank you for joining us. It was a ton of fun. Um, before we do get out of here, as always, uh, we like to give you a little opportunity to shout out some of those mayhem fans who have joined us. And uh, anybody else watching the mayhem as we go into countdown cup and end of season playoffs. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking, if you're a former Dallas fuel fan, um, that's looking for a place to join you know, hop on over. I think I already, <laughs> already got one on my Twitter feed. Um, there you go. That jump ship. Um, so if you're looking for, if you're looking for a life raft, perhaps, perhaps choose the pink one or a Widowmaker coach. Yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> Yeah, or or you know, maybe I start my private coaching career. Who knows? Um, but go. yeah, follow me, on, follow me on Twitter. Yeah, with three H's. Um, and yeah, look, looking forward to putting on a show for our team to put on a show this weekend. Awesome. Well, best of luck to you. Uh, luck to you, and uh, thanks again um, for coming on. Let's go ahead and uh, finish out the episode. Uh, first, big thank you to our patron producers. 
Battle Crab, Pin Lotion, Charlie L, Audio Compass, Board Shop, Sammy, Kasha 67, Kushi Kopi, Charles Picasso, Nathan Misery, Hunter Tain, Refined Bean, Rex Zane, Roger B, Fable Steven, Owen, Chris R34444, Yiska is holding me hostage, please send help. I'm under Yiska's desk, please send help. Yiska says, Frisha, 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 and will the real Chengdu Bomb please stand up? Uh, thanks so much for supporting the show. Go to patreon.com slash tactical crouch if you want to support or subscribe right here at twitch.tv slash cape tripod. Thanks to everybody who uh tuned in live and thanks to the new subs joe who do we got yes we have p underscore scott 15 thank you for your your subage uh count baculum aaron hazard coppers ernie skeptical cly ernie Ernie, i'm sorry i'm sorry ernie hazard uh voyager overwatch or w rather um and uh, sparky's shocker thank you all for uh coming in with the uh the support and if you you know obviously covid's a thing and pinching some pennies you can't support monetarily you can always go on itunes and leave a five-star review and uh helps us with discoverability and all that jazz so you can still support the show if you feel so inclined and i missed this one joe my bad chunk did uh toss us some 40 bits as well thanks chunk thanks chunk appreciate you uh joe shout out for the week where do people uh find you what do you got going on uh yeah this week it's on the socials everywhere um writing some stuff coming up got a feature coming out about alarm in the works um doing a little bit of valorant thingamabobs and then doing what i do best and going back in the history books and looking at why kong do panthera never uh never captured a title we're gonna we're gonna go back and look at that team and and uh just dig up some fossils It'll be it'll be a good time. But yeah, that's that's the itinerary for this week. Nice. Um, as for me, you can find me everywhere at Kick Tripod. I'm a little bit busy. I haven't gotten to do any like supplemental content. Um, Katie and I started taking Japanese lessons. And it's been a ton of fun. But we uh like we had to take the accelerated one and two courses. So instead of like seven weeks, it's five weeks. So like all my spare time has been studying. <laughs> it's just, it's been so much. Uh, so, uh, that's kind of what I've been up to. Um, I also though, on a race, the mayhem note, I hit my half year goals for strength and yeah, we're down 12 pounds. So I got my little, my power dots. I got my, a little congratulations we, presence. We need a graph. I, I want to track who's actually keeping pace. I'm, I'm keeping pace with you guys, man. Okay. I'm, keeping, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm well past you well past us okay yes yeah we're, which i'm uh, which i'm happy about because i was like oh i don't know like midway through the season i was like nah i don't know about mayhem like we'll we'll see we'll <laughs> see maybe i need to race off race a playoff team like this this stuff's yeah. kind of falling off um but yeah no yeah. definitely I, uh definitely keeping up but i only got, pledged, got a nice lead i only pledged a pound per win and so i fluctuate between like 12 and 16 right now is kind of where uh, i'm hitting okay. that so we'll we'll call it as good um we're there so yeah so far the mayhem have been raced and mm. uh yeah so uh been doing that in a pandemic no in yeah. a pandemic not, yeah not it's, yeah, it's kind of just just organic just organic at home losing weight that's yeah impressive. i did well it was nice our, our gym our we have a crossfit gym in our building that we go to okay. and i i help do like a bunch of like digital strategy for us so they help us out with our memberships and they um, let us borrow equipment and dumbbells and things like that so we could go to the top of our garage and like actually do workouts. 
which is pretty Wait, great. You work on the top of your garage? You uh, I live in an apartment complex, so it's a parking oh, garage. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's a ladder involved. It's a... Uh, Incli it's called incline training. It's a new yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Very dangerous. Um, yeah, so we did that. And then Katie's cousin works for Peloton. And so I, I'm like, Katie, I can't keep up with the mayhem as we go into here. But Katie's cousin works for Peloton. So we got like an insane deal on a Peloton bike. So you're, just, you're just juicing, essentially. You're so just I'm just like, I, hey, you made the race tough. I am not a it's tortoise. True. I'm a hair. Wait, no, I am the tortoise. I'm neither. None of those. Neither of those work for this one. Really bad analogies either way. Chat, thanks so much for hanging out. Hope you uh, had an awesome time. Yes, go to bit.ly slash TCP shop if you want your Race the Mayhem shirt, by the way. It was pretty cool. Ooh. I designed it. I think it actually, it's one of my favorite. It's one of my more favorite, like, designs, and yeah, I just haven't gotten around to order. <laughs> or I keep, like, going to order it, and, like, I run into, like, I can't remember what it was last time, but I didn't buy it. And so I need mm. to buy it. Um, but yeah, so uh, chat, thanks so much for hanging out. Everybody listening, you guys are awesome. We love you. We'll see you on Wednesday for the preview show for Countdown Cup playoffs. And um, we'll probably have uh, another guest because uh, Yisk is gone. And Joe and I left to our own devices is not good. So uh, <laughs> we will uh, do that. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.